We've been discussing the seven-year tribulation period, and last week we started looking at an overview of the events of the tribulation period. And, and before we get into that, one thing I think we need to mention, and it, it is relevant to the end times, and we need to, as Christians, come to an understanding of, I think, what's happening in not only our country, but in the world, but specifically what's happening in our country Everybody just keeps clinging on to some kind of hope that something's going to happen before Inauguration Day. And I think we just need to take a step back and look at it from a biblical perspective and not just what we would like to see happen. And just kind of come to an understanding of, I think it is what it is at this point. If we look at it from a biblical perspective... The Bible does state that we are in the end times, as we've discussed, and it also states that it's going to get worse. Perilous times are, are here, and it's going to wax worse and worse with people deceiving and being deceived. And that's prophecy, and that's being fulfilled before our very eyes. And, okay, so maybe something does happen, but we shouldn't cling to that hope. What is our only hope? It's not in a donkey or an elephant. It's in the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's in a lamb. And that's the Lord. And his return... Oh, hold on. Let's back up. Let's take a page out of the pastor's uh, vocabulary. His appearing is nearing. we got to rhyme it. And look at what's been taking place the last four years in regards to our current president. He has imposed a lot of sanctions on Iran. He has harmed them dramatically in regards to cutting off their funding. And honestly, they were, they're probably getting ready to collapse. But now there's going to be a sympathizer in office. And if you look at scriptures, Iran is going to be a huge part of the end times. And if things had kept going the way that they were going with these sanctions and the uh, cutting off of funding, they wouldn't have been around. So what's taking place now is that, you know, when, when President Obama left office, he gave them a billion dollars. Well, now, you know, our current president has cut them off. And with the one that's coming in, they said, we want $7 billion. As interest for the suffering that has been caused over the last four years. So I, to me, if you look at it from a biblical perspective, I think everything's just going to kind of hold. And president-elect is going to be sworn in and things are going to continue to get worse and worse. Could I be wrong? Sure. Yeah. Maybe we do get a, we got a four-year reprieve. Maybe we get another four. I don't know. Uh, it's possible. I don't know what is going to actually take place, but I do know I will, I'm not going to put my hope in some kind of last-second uh, coup of taking place, I guess is, is the best way to put it. But anyway, I just want to put that out there because I'm almost afraid that conspiracy theories are kind of starting to infiltrate churches, and we just need to stick to a biblical perspective as much as possible and I, again, I know what I would like to have happen, but it, that doesn't always mean that it's the right thing. 
God knows what needs to take place and what is going to take place to further uh, his kingdom and, and to further his prophecy and to fulfill prophecy. And I know his appearing is nearing. So I'm going to try to take a biblical stance. Uh, I'd be happy to be proven wrong. Uh, but uh, just based on what I, what I think uh, scriptures is saying, I think it's just going to hold firm. And I, I know it's a, it's a big week. I, I think it's Thursday is the inauguration. And I know everybody's been kind of feeling down. But God's in control of all of it, whatever takes place. And let's just you know, pray God will, will help us to be faithful to him. That's the most important part. Uh, being faithful to him and to, and to what he wants us to do. But uh, let's go back to our lesson here, an overview of the events of the tribulation. Uh, we, we mentioned, I think, three of them. The rapture of all believers will occur just prior to the seven-year tribulation period. We uh, <clears throat> touched upon that a great deal. Uh, secondly, we looked at the state of moral, spiritual, and political anarchy, which, again, fits into what we have coming up this week in regards to the inauguration and it's just there's a lot of corruption in our government of course not just our government but in world governments and it's just going to get worse i believe and all of this is going to open the window of opportunity to unveil the antichrist and it's just when, when the saints are not here any longer and the rapture takes place, we think it's bad now. We think there's political anarchy and moral and spiritual anarchy now. Wait till the believers aren't here. Right now we're starting to pave the way for the Antichrist. Uh, and we won't be here when he's unveiled, but we're paving the way for it. Everything is starting to get set up for his reveal and we see, and we read in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 9 and 10, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. So uh, we see that he's, his, his coming is after the working of Satan. We see Satan working and working and working and working uh, to pave this way, to set up everything that needs to happen. And the Lord's allowing him to do all this because the Lord knows this all has to take place. This is his plan. With all power and signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness, and unrighteousness, we see the deceivableness. Everybody's believing it now. And it's just they're going to buy, buy into it hook, line, and sinker. Everything is setting up for his arrival. Everything's setting up for the Lord's arrival, but then it's setting up for the Antichrist afterwards. So everything is just it's like they're setting up dominoes perfectly. And everything's just going to fall right into place. And let's finish reading it with all the deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So the Antichrist will arrive on the scene proclaiming himself as the one who can solve uh, all the economic and social problems of the world. There will be that temporary peace with Israel as we talked about um, last week and Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. So there's going to be a reestablishment of the Jewish temple and the sacrificial system, and this gesture of goodwill will only enhance his power and his prestige and his popularity among all of the masses of this, of this depraved world. And then people will just buy into this uh, and just love this. And this brings us up to... 
that was the third thing about this peace pact. And we see, again, little seeds of this being planted now with, with President Trump and the peace pact with Israel that so many nations have, have signed. And I don't think this is the peace pact that, that's ultimately going to take place, but I think this is going to be a, a predecessor of that. It's setting it up for this ultimate peace pact. These, these little seeds, again, being planted. But then we get to number four, where we mentioned it briefly, but we just didn't get into it because I didn't want to open the can of worms because I have some scripture I want to read. A new world order will be established during the reign of the Antichrist. A confederation of European states will be at the helm of a new global economy. A global religion will be established, headed up by the false prophet as described in Revelation 13. Hopefully everyone's turned there. Revelation 13, we'll begin reading in verse number 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon, and he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that, with, that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So the false prophet will encourage the nations in idolatrous worship of the Antichrist. One way he will exercise control over the masses of folks will be to require everyone to receive the mark of the beast, as we just read in verses 16 and 17 here in Revelation chapter 13. And as we were reading that, everybody assumes that that will be the form of currency, and that probably will be the form of currency. But as I read that, it doesn't specifically say that's the form of currency that's just they won't be able to buy or sell unless they have that and then i thought of this coronavirus vaccine that they're starting to push and hotels i read and or saw an article that hotels are going to start refusing to rent rooms out to those that have not received the vaccine and i thought well they're not able to buy or sell unless they have that mark <laughs> So, I mean, all these little seeds are starting to be planted, and who knows where this is all leading. Uh, but we see this is one way to control the masses, and that's exactly what's going to happen. It's interesting to note that there is already technology that could uh, be put in a, in a in form of a biochip in the hand of every individual because they already chip dogs. 
and track dogs. And, that, and the, the technology is here. Can you imagine reading this 100 years ago? And people would be like, I don't just see how this could be possible. Uh, there's just no way. Of course, you have the two witnesses and everybody around the world is able to watch it. But now everybody could watch it on their watch for that matter. Uh, well, not me. I don't have a smart watch. But I just don't have it in me to pay $300 for a watch. But <clears throat> mine was like 8 bucks. Uh they can watch it on their phone, on their TV, on their computer, on their watch. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, but now everything just, again, is just so clear and, and so amazing to see everything falling into place the way that it is. A hundred years ago, we'd be like, how is this possible? Uh, how is this going to work? But with computer chips and things, it's just unbelievable. And now they're starting to put in all these 5G cell towers. So everything's just going to be even faster uh, processed. So it's just amazing to see. Fifthly, during the first three and a half years of the tribulation period, there will be a significant ministry carried by two men in Revelation chapter 11. In verse number three, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, clothed in sackcloth, so let's pause there for just a moment, because I want to pick, let's just go ahead and read verse 4. Let's look at what's described here in verses, uh, verse um, 3. And uh, we'll do, uh, Verse 3. Verse 4, these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies, and if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven, that is, rain not in the days of their prophecy, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite <clears throat> the earth with all plagues as often as they will. So many believe these two witnesses will be Moses and Elijah. Uh, representing the law and the prophets sent by God to minister during the first half of the tribulation. The Antichrist will wage war against these two witnesses. Uh, again, I have a speculation, don't know for sure if it is Moses or Elijah. Could be, don't know. But the Antichrist will wage war against these two witnesses and they will be killed at the midpoint of the tribulation period. By technology, all the world will see the dead bodies of the two men lying in the streets of Jerusalem for three and a half days. The depraved inhabitants of the world will rejoice in their demise and be thrilled by it, only to be shocked when God raises them up and takes them into heaven. And let's jump to verse 7 of Revelation 11. And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So now we know this is Jerusalem. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half 
and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in their graves. So here we see that all the people and kindreds and tongues and nations, they're, they're all going to be able to see their dead bodies. Now, again, even 50 years ago, it would be hard to imagine how the vast majority of this world would be able to see, because not every, even everybody had cable or TVs or anything like that. There wasn't all these cable news channels and things of that nature. Uh, how would, would this be possible? But now with Facebook and YouTube and smartphones and internet and all of these technologies, now we can understand how everybody all around the world would have the ability to be able to see these people, these two witnesses, laying dead in the streets for three and a half days of Jerusalem. Verse 10, And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them. So they're happy they're dead, just as if they would be happy now if Christians would just disappear, although that would not last too much, too very long, because everything would just get worse. And make merry, and shall send gifts to one another. They're just so thrilled, they're buying each other presents, and just celebrating and rejoicing, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. How dare they preach about God, and prophesy, and tell others about the Lord? They don't want to hear it. After three days... And a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them. And they stood up upon their feet. Can you imagine the live stream? Again, everybody's watching this, and they're all celebrating, and they're probably watching it and rejoicing over it, and bowing down to the TV or their phones or whatever, just so happy. And all of a sudden, they come back to life. And all of a sudden, they stand upon their feet, They've been dead three and a half days, and guess what? We remember Lazarus, and it was four days, and behold, he stinketh. They're going to start to stink. Everybody knows they're dead, and all of a sudden, poof, there they are. What? And we see, in great fear fell upon them which saw them. Yeah. You think? And they heard a great voice from heaven. So here it is again. When we've talked about the shout and the trumpet and all this that takes place, in regards to the rapture, now all of a sudden there's another great voice coming from heaven and speaking to them. You'd think that after the shout and the trumpet and all that's taken place with the rapture, that would have been enough. But nope, here they are rejoicing over these two witnesses' deaths, and here they are risen up again, and... A great voice comes up from heaven saying, come hither. So now we see that these two witnesses, as they ascended up in heaven in a cloud and their enemies beheld them. So again, this is live streamed. Talk about going viral. This would go viral. Everybody would be watching this and they would be befuddled. They would be so confused and so terrified and all the joy that they had been experiencing with their death is completely gone. And a second rapture here. This is essentially what this is. These two witnesses are raptured up into heaven, physically. Um, so that's number two that they've seen take place. It's just an amazing thought. 
Let's go to Revelation 7. Along with the ministry of the two witnesses, God will raise up 144,000 Jewish men. And that's 12,000 out of each tribe of the 12 tribes of Israel to act as tribulation evangelists. In Revelation 7 and verse 4, And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. And in Revelation chapter 14, let's look at verses 4 and 5. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. And their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. And in Matthew chapter 24. Verse 14. And, the God, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So we have these 144,000 Jewish men, again, 12,000 out of each tribe. Multitudes will be converted by the sovereign grace of God, only to be martyred shortly after declaring their allegiance to Christ. Revelation 7, verses 13 and 14, describes these tribulation martyrs. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So again, the hatred of God is not going to change. And probably moments after they are saved, and they declare, they declare so, and, and declare their allegiance to Christ, they're going to be martyred. They're not going to have to face much of this tribulation period after they are saved because the Lord's going to take them out of it. They are now his children. They are not going to endure a great deal of suffering so that we can praise the Lord for that. Sixthly, a flurry of significant events will occur at the midway point of the tribulation period. The two witnesses will be slain, as we read in Revelation 11, verses 3 through 10. Satan will be cast out of heaven by Michael and his angels in Revelation chapter 12, and verses 7 through 9. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. The great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast in, out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So we see he's kicked out. This will mean real trouble for the inhabitants uh, of earth during the last three and a half years of the tribulation uh, period. Uh, 
we jump down to verse uh, number 12. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. But we see while heaven is rejoicing that the devil was cast out and his uh, demons were cast out in this battle. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. So having lost this battle here, uh, we see real trouble for the inhabitants of earth, because the devil's with them, among them, and he knows his time is running out. Again, the devil knows what's going to happen. He knows scripture. That's shared with us in the Bible. He knows what all is going to take place, but he's going to fight as hard as he can. Also, at the midpoint of the tribulation, the abomination of desolation will occur when the Antichrist breaks his peace with Israel does away with the temple worship and sacrifices, and sets himself up as God in the temple. Thus, of course, desecrating the temple in the process. In Daniel chapter 9, you know, this abomination of desolation is referred to in several passages of Scripture. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, And he, which is the Antichrist, prince that shall come you can find that in verse 26 but and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate even until the consummation and the and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate so that's going to be quite a week it's not going to last long, a week in the grand scheme of things. It's not all that long. But Jesus refers to this event in Matthew chapter 24. In verse 15, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. So we see the Lord making reference uh, to this that we just read there by Daniel the prophet. But Paul also refers to this event. And we find that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And verse 4. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. So that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So he's going to desecrate the temple by sitting there and declaring himself to be God. And look at what I have done. I had this temple rebuilt. I brought about all this peace and prosperity and all this. I'm going to fix all these problems. Blah, 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 blah. I'm God. Is that really that far-fetched? <laughs> To see happen? No. Men think very highly of themselves all of the time. From the midpoint of the tribulation until the end, the judgments and wrath of God become more intense and severe, reaching 
a crescendo in the battle of Armageddon when Jesus is revealed from heaven to smite his enemies that are gathered for battle. Seventh, the judgments of the tribulation are revealed in the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven vials of the book of Revelation. The details of these judgments are recorded in Revelation chapters 6 through 19. As the tribulation progresses, the severity and the intensity of the judgments are going to increase. And we need to reemphasize that these judgments represent the wrath of God against unbelievers. This is not, again, as we, we pointed this out at the beginning when we were talking about the tribulation period, the intro to it, this is not satanic wrath against believers that some folks want to try to believe. Revelation 16 verse 1 says, And I heard a great voice out of, the, out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of wrath of God upon the earth. This does not come from the devil. This is judgment uh, against unbelievers from God. This is not Satan, Satan's wrath against believers. We're not here. We're gone. But again, those that believe that the rapture takes place during or after, they're not correct. And they hold on to those types of beliefs, which we've disproven already. Time and space in this present uh, volume prevent just this present lesson. We're just, there's no, I'd love to go into the details. Maybe we will some other time. Um, but what's going to be poured out upon the inhabitants of the earth during the tribulation period is going to be just intense, horrible uh, judgment. And they're going to be hiding as much as they possibly can uh, from this. After the judgment, eighthly, uh, the religious and political Babylon, and you can read Revelation chapter 17 and 18, the Antichrist will gather his forces and make his way to Armageddon. Let's go to Revelation 16. And verse 16, they're going to, the Antichrist will gather his forces, make his way to Armageddon to do combat against the Lord. Revelation 16, 16, and he gathered them together into a place uh, called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 8 declares, Therefore wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey, for my determination is to gather the nations that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them my indignation. Even all my fierce anger, for all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. The assembled masses under the leadership of the Antichrist will be defeated by the Lord when he comes back from heaven with his saints. There are four pictures of the Battle of Armageddon culminating in the second advent of Christ found in Revelation. And we will look at Revelation 6, <clears throat> verses 12 through 17. 
And behold, when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains. And said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, who shall be able to stand. Well, let's look at Revelation 14 for the second one. Starting in verse 14. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle, and reap. For the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and crieth with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse bridles, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. Oh boy, I'd like to take a lot of time <laughs> with that. Um, in verse 15, when it talks about an angel came out of the temple with a loud voice to him that Sat on the cloud, thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Uh, this is the gathering of the godly who are in Christ's wheat. No angel reaps them but Christ himself, of course, um, with his own sharp sickle and with his own hands. We are his, and he bought us, and he's going to reap us and take us. But in verse 19, the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. <coughs> it is not the crowned Christ, but the angel who will come to do this work of judgment. The wicked will be clearly distinguished from the righteous in that day. Uh, nobody will mistake them then. <laughs> It'll be very clear. And that day there will be no way of evading the judge's infallible judgment. There will be no miscarriage of justice either uh, before God. Again, it will not be 
Christ who will do the work, an angel will do it, not the crowned king seated on the white cloud. Um, but we see that it goes on in verse 20, the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress. What does this tell you? This is the battle. And it's not going to be a pretty sight. Just over in chapter 16, and in verse, verses 16 through 21, and he gathered them together just because of time uh, into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven uh, from the throne saying, It is done. Seventh vial had been poured out. It's done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not seen since uh, men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath, and every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. And Revelation 19. We'll have to close uh, here soon. Revelation 19, beginning in verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and the Righteous. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the word of god and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen white and clean and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword and with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty god and he hath on his vesture and in his thigh the name written king of kings and lord of lords and I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. And he, ye may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of the mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which he, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him, that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. We'll break that down more <laughs> next week. Um, that's the most graphic uh, 
illustration of destruction uh, that will occur in the second advent uh, of Christ um, that we just read here in Revelation chapter 19. And we'll break it down a little bit more next week. Uh, we're just out of time now, but I wanted to just kind of read that, let people kind of chew on that. Because there's a lot going on, and we see just the how graphic it truly is with the birds feeding on the corpses and things. But we'll look at that more uh, next week, Lord willing.